Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. And I'm educating Yen's currently on the, the futuristicness of digital recording. He's like, before we started recording, he's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You don't have to rewind it like to get to a certain spot. I didn't say rewind. Did I say rewind? I might have <laughs> no, said rewind, but uh, I, I have no idea. I just had a massive brain fart. And for some reason, when you said that... Uh, the device was playing a previous recording. Yes. I was wondering, well, how does the device know when there's a next free sector on the drive that it can record onto? Do you have to like, boom, yes, until you get to a, like a free sector? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why I was thinking that. Why were you thinking how that? How retarded yes. is that? Like, <laughs> no. Digital doesn't work like that. Back in A-Track days. And yeah. Yeah, you were living in the like, Eight tracks. No. Eight tracks. No, I, I could just stop the current track that's playing and press record, and here we go, we're live. That's amazing. It's, this is technology at its finest. My yet. childhood was not that easy. No. Uh, <laughs> you, you had a troubled childhood <laughs> with a lot of rewinding, I'm sure. I had a lot of rewinding, a lot of forward winding. How many times did I just stick a pencil in a cassette You said tape? forward winding. Forward, wi- forward winding. That's not what Fast it is. Fast forwarding? Fast forwarding. No, we're going back. You said forward winding. That's not a thing? <laughs> oh Don't you say, oh my God, I have to fast forward this? Yes, and you said forward winding. Did I say you have to fast forward wind it? No, you said forward winding. I think forward winding is a thing. You said rewinding and forward winding. (laughs) Oh my god. Are we we recording right now? Yes, we absolutely are. Who the hell do we have on the podcast today? I don't know, but they probably want to come over and watch a uh, video on our VCR, right? Yes. Oh, they're going to be excited. (laughs) They're going to bring their own VHS cassette tapes to watch. On our ancient piece it's of technology. It's not even a cassette tape. It's, it's not? Just, it's just a tape. It is a cassette tape. A cassette is an audio format. No, cassette's an audio and video. Oh my god, okay. We're Dude, yeah. I'm, I'm right on that one. <laughs> I think. <laughs> like, I'm trying to remember what the front of my last VCR looked like. Did it say cassette tape? Okay. And then you stick... The this, thing and the cassette I, tape. You, you Google cassette tape. This is a picture of what comes up. Yeah, it's okay. You're like, uh, okay. It's an audio. F- the, uh, the, the compact cassette uh, or music cassette uh, is also same difference, called. man. It's a it's it's a it's a tape to tape. It's a tape thing. There's a tape mechanism. It's a cassette tape. You stick it in there. Cassette doesn't mean. A, audio only this guy is co-hosting his podcast a music podcast right now where we have legitimate bands i I might not be you know uh, technical in that sense but i swear all cassette tape means is that it's a tape it's an analog magnetic tape recording format for audio recording and playback we'll go find what the video equivalent is it's a, v- it's a video, video tape. cassette tape. No. This <laughs> thing. Here, type in video cassette tape and see if that pulls up anything. <laughs> or or Zero maybe results. Google will say, did you mean video cassette or <laughs> video tape? He said video cassette tape. That uh, Some Sony DVC tapes came up. Video tape is what it co- corrects to. Are you serious? Video tape. I suck. Overview. Oh, my God. Nowhere does it. There's zero results for video cassette tape. There's, that's not a thing? <laughs> I've been saying it wrong this whole time. Like for... Videotape is magnetic tape years. for storing video and usually sound in addition. So, no, it is not a video cassette tape, Jens. <laughs> Oh my Fuck. god. This is the best. You see, I don't I don't know if I've been saying it incorrectly all this time or if I'm just retarded right now and I'm not remembering things clearly. It could very well be either. I have no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. No. 
But you've been educated in this episode. Uh, I feel <laughs> hypersensitive this episode now. In fact, next time somebody utters the word video or cassette or audio, I'm going to get really nervous because I'm going to be afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. But you know better format. now. You know but better. I know better now. Yeah. You've learned through yeah. podcasting. I have. Technologies. That, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what a video tape is. This is crazy. I, you know, I'm glad we've moved on because obviously that technology was too complicated for a lot of people, including myself. It was. Yes. Okay. Well, that was exciting. Jens, uh, today on the program, we have I the Mighty, uh, and we also have Lighter Burns uh, from Warp Tour. Warp Tour, which you attended. I did. And this is part two of our trilogy. It is correct. Covering, uh, covering the Warp Tour. Yes. So interviewed a bunch of bands, did a bunch of phone interviews in advance of the uh, festival, and then covered the festival. Uh, so we'll bring you some of their songs, uh, as well as a performance at the end of the podcast uh, by Bad Religion um, from, from Warped Tour. Yeah, that's that awesome band that I loved back in the day, and I cannot remember a single goddamn song. Did you listen to them on video cassette tape? Dude, I listened, I listened to them... No, I, I just watched them. You did? I watched them on video cassette. Yeah. No, videotape. I watched them on videotape with the audio because videotape also has audio. It does. But does not have the word it's cassette implied. in it, yeah. which is confusing. I know. Yes. See? That's, that's, that's really confusing. True. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know how we can overcome that. Uh, the, the, the damage was done. I'm, I've been scarred. My brain cannot like, get beyond that hiccup. I think you'll make it through, though. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a bit. Jens, you have a story for us. I do? You do. I thought I just shared it, and that was like my lack that of... Was, you delivered on, on the, <laughs> what you just brought us, but, but you said you have a story. Oh, yeah. I was telling you that I was... Um, uh, yesterday, well, I went out with some friends, and we um, got in their boat. They bought a boat that was... Um, it was used, uh, they live like right around the corner from the lake and we just had this beautiful, beautiful day east of the great city of Lodi and whatever the name of the lake is over there. Some Lodi Lake. Gotcha. Some Lodi Lake. And, uh, we got on the boat and we we're like cruising and it was beautiful weather. It was nice and warm. And we were uh, going to a specific little swim spot, uh, that was away from everything and it was more tranquil and you know, that's where we we're going to spend the day. And we had brought a bunch of inflatables with us, right? Like, like the kind of... Like blow-up, like prostitute... Like no, not the blow-up dolls. Okay. Not the kind of yeah. inflatables that you have like a six-pack right. yes. of. Six-pack. <laughs> and you go through them like crazy. I don't know what you do to those poor things. <laughs> no. It's like a waste of plastic and rubber and latex. But anyway... They, they don't like to be considered wastes. They don't. They're very offended by that, even yeah. though they're not real. They are real, Jens. They are real. They're real to and you. They're more real than a, ca a cassette, video cassette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 fine. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. They actually take up mass and have form. They're not just a mistake in my imagination. So you had some blow up. I had some blow up, not dolls, <laughs> not dolls, inflatables, inflatable like rafts and these fun things that you, you know, buy. And I think it's called Lodi Lake, by the way. It's Lodi Lake? Where you were. I Lake mean, it's of Lodi? Really, really uniquely named. <laughs> yeah. It's got some other name. It's Lake Comanche or something. Okay. Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, it's a reservoir, not really a lake, but it's a and um, okay. really nice, uh, nice temperature, nice water, nice water. We got to our little swim hole. We threw out um, the uh, inflatables into the water. And there was one that uh, looked perfect. You know, it was just, it was, a, it was one of these little inflatables. It was just 
it was a raft. Like, I mean, what am I talking about? Like an, uh, like an air mattress. What are those things called? The, uh, an air mattress? But yeah, isn't an air mattress called. usually something that you blow up and you sleep on it? Yes. Isn't that an air mattress? This is, that's an air mattress. What are you looking for? I'm looking for the thing that you have in the water. That's the same thing, but it's for the water. A raft. But is, a raft could be big. Okay, it could be big or small. <laughs> this is just like a small thing that's made out of a bunch of tubes you blow into. <laughs> anyway, it's, 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 it's a thing that you, you, you... It's a lounge chair, basically. It's a lounge chair because um, it has the backrest on it. Okay, it's still like an inflatable raft. It's like... Okay, whatever. Okay. Uh, when I think of raft, I think of oars. Like, you need you, oars, you need so you can attach an outboard little motor, but it's all... some pictures of this, too? Yeah. I, I, I want a picture <laughs> of a cassette raft. <laughs> cassette raft, okay. A cassette raft lounge chair thing, because that's what this thing was. Wow, okay. And people were... Um, having a really hard time transitioning into the water. And I just wanted to jump in. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm jumping in. I'm going to be the first one in the water. Uh, but I was a little bit lazy. I didn't want to jump in the water no, and then swim course. to the raft. So I figured what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump right on the fucking raft. Okay, so um, let me just explain what this raft was again. It's this little thing. It's like a lounge chair. You lie down on it and you face up, right? Um, uh, so it has two chambers that you can inflate. The part that's under your body, and then there's a separate part that's behind your back. But they're all integrated in the same plastic. It's one big massive piece of plastic with two different air chambers. This is important to know. Okay, two different Because when I jumped off the boat, I was flying like a flying squirrel. Okay. Do you know what that is? Yes, it's like Rocky. Yes. yes. It's like, isn't Rocky a raccoon? R a raccoon, yes. Rocky raccoon, go back to your room. I don't know if those are the lyrics, but... I don't, um, know, I don't know that song, but I know... The Beatles, dude! Okay, I know Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Because Rocky Bullwinkle was a squirrel. Rocky is the flying squirrel. Bullwinkle is, is the, the moose. moose. Thank you. We are doing great so I'm far. I'm doing great. This I like am the... educating the what? fuck out of you today. <laughs> uh, this should be like a pivotal episode right here. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, whatever. And, and Rocky and Bullwinkle was more from your time than it was from mine. I never I just, watched the damn show. I, I just remember one was short, the other one was crazy tall. Boris and Natasha, does any of this ring a bell? No. Okay. <laughs> Boris and Natasha. Yes, they were like the fucking Germans or Russians they or something. They were fucking that, Russian. That were Russian. Like, always after Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> Does that a, was that a cartoon? Those weren't political Rocky characters. Rocky Boyko was a cartoon. Yes. That, oh, they were in the cartoon. They were with in them. the cartoon. Yes. Were they, they the evils? They were people? the evils. Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, what was I talking about? I was talking about jumping. So, like a flying squirrel, all my limbs were. I was like an X in the sky, right? I was flying like an X in the sky. So my arms were spread out. My legs were we spread to, out. We have to pause for you to see oh Rocky Boyko. What? Yeah. Right there. Do you remember this? There you go. I have never watched that you show. You have never watched this nope. shit. I have never this watched is, that this show. This Rocky and Bullwinkle. Come on. I've seen pictures and posters, I guess. But that music is annoying. No, it I is. remember that. Yes. Okay. Carry on with your story. <laughs> I'm carrying on. So here I am. I'm not jumping in the water. Uh, di I'm not diving in with my head first. I'm not jumping in with my legs first. I'm jumping like I'm flying like a squirrel parallel to the water and my goal is to land right on the raft because I don't feel like hitting the water and then swimming to the raft and then going through the pain in the ass of having to get on the raft right right okay my aim's not that great 
And I didn't, I completely, I completely overestimated the build quality of this thing. I land on the raft and the fucking thing pops. Oh my gosh, you popped the raft. Okay. That pops. The whole thing, I boom. But I didn't realize that until I got, uh, uh, I had to get back up out of the water, right? And I'm like, okay, shit, I missed the raft. Okay, let me go find the raft. And it's like. And no one got this on video. Sinking plastic. No one recorded this. No. I wish that had been recorded. In fact, next time we go, I think we're going to do the same <laughs> thing. Gonna... I'm going to reenact it, and I'm going to buy this. I'm just going to, yeah, i got to replace the thing anyway. We'll just replace it with another piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> I'll do the same thing again. Wow, okay. It'll be epic. It was one of my greater moments, my finer moments in life, Steve. What about last year when we were at uh, yeah, Guerneville at Russian River and I swung from the rope swing and I, I knocked our friend Tony's daughter ah! out, out of the <laughs> kayak. I almost <laughs> killed our friend's daughter. Yeah. Well, what happened exactly? You jumped in the raft I, I and she went flying? And I, and I wanted to nudge it because you were recording video. <laughs> right. So I was trying to be all action star, right? And I'm uh-huh. like, uh, you know, just like mess with you a little bit. But then... <laughs> <laughs> kayak, I don't know, rocked a certain way and she would tumble. She out went of flying out because yeah. of you. Yeah. That was great. Was she great. was a trooper, though. She was. She realized, okay, um, shit hit the fan. I'm going to drown. So she got her game on. And um, before any of us really realized what had just happened, she was swimming on her way back to the raft. Yeah, yeah, she was okay. I didn't that. even know I she did. could swim. Oh, well, I felt bad, of course, to a degree, until I just couldn't stop laughing. You know, it was but, uh, so funny. But it was good times. It's great to get out on the. We need to go back there. We do. And I think we will. We will, actually, yes. next month. You said you were going to show up on the same day my kids and I That's go. That's so. right. <laughs> it's a commitment. That's going to be fun. Yes. Uh, so, good, good story. Great learning so far already. And I like. I feel like I need a nap. My brain hurts. There's so much learning going on. You There will be a quiz later. So. Oh, the pressure. <laughs> Just save it for the later. Pressure. Um, but let's get into uh, I the Mighty. Um, so I had the chance to talk to uh, Brent Walsh from I the Mighty, and I actually uh, met up with him at the uh, show as well. Um, and uh, thanked him for doing the interview. So, um, so we got a chance to talk to him they're from san francisco mm-hmm. and uh, and somehow i didn't know about them but i really dug their their music it was right up my alley nice so, so um so we're going to uh play a song from i the mighty and then get into the interview um and uh if we get real excited we might play another song after the interview um the first song we're going to play is cave in um, i'm planning on getting really excited then we'll, we might play The Dreamer after, Let's do that. after their interview. Okay. Two songs from I the Mighty. It's set. We're doing it. Let's go. Here it is.
How's it going? This is Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline. Good, How are you? Hey, doing good. Doing good. Getting ready for Warp Tour tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah. We got home at 5 a.m. last night, so I'm just doing a little van cleanse right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Late night then, huh? D yeah. We, we drove. It was a straight shot from Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. Do you do a lot of the driving yourself, or do you guys uh, take turns? Yeah, we all trade out. Yeah. So, uh, so when there's when there's a thirty hour drive, we just like I took like a couple seven hour shifts just so we didn't didn't have to rotate out as much. We could just get home quick. We got home pretty damn fast. So yeah, I mean, yeah. So what do you listen to while you're just like zoning out in the middle of nowhere, get trying to get get over here to the West Coast? Um, sometimes music. Sometimes like I don't know. I just. I like a lot of different music, so it depends on the mood. Sometimes it's like, like I've been really into um, Snarky Puppy lately. I don't know if you've heard of Snarky Puppy, but they're like a, they're like a, I guess you, I guess it'd be a jazz band. They're like a jazz uh, instrumental, uh, pro, uh, I guess progressive rock slightly band. Yeah. Um, and then I, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts or some different podcasts. And then uh, I recently got into this, this uh, it's like an NPR thing. It's called Spooked. You ever heard of Spooked? No, no, I haven't. It's like real person's encounters of like, like paranormal activity they've experienced and stuff. And so they're they're but sharing their experience, like with you know having come into contact with ghosts and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like first person people's like first person accounts of it, but the sound editing is really cool on it and stuff too. NPR does it through uh, I think WNPR Studios or something like that. Have you but, have uh, you seen any ghosts yourself no or? <laughs> What'd you say? I was saying, have you seen any ghosts yourself? I have not. I want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have not had the pleasure yet. Um, but it definitely, it helps keep you awake when you're like starting to get really, really tired, put on a little bit of spooked and uh, legitimately kind of spooks you. And then you get to your drive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, so, um, so you, you guys formed in, uh, in San Francisco uh, when you guys were in high school back in like 2007, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ian and I have been playing together since we were in freshman year of high school. Yeah. So the, the, Ian and I have been playing together forever. But the band I the Mighty actually formed, I think, a couple of years outside of college, 2008, I believe, with the four of us. Gotcha. And and so uh, were you friends with Ian beforehand? How did you uh, how did you guys kind of build that uh, that bond? Yeah, Ian moved into my neighborhood in third grade. Started going to my elementary school in third grade. So. You know, we were neighbors, so we were friends growing up. And then uh, he started playing guitar in, like, eighth or ninth grade and started a band with our buddy David, who was playing drums. And then they were just like, we need to find a singer. And then Ian's like, well, Brent sings, like, all the all the damn time. He never shuts up. So so they picked me, and then I uh, started learning how to play guitar so I could help, like, write songs and whatnot, and the rest is history. Yeah. And so what music did you listen to growing up? And, like, was music prevalent in your household a lot with your parents? And 
Yeah, growing up, I listened to a lot of like 70s. My parents listened to a lot of like 60s, 70s, 80s rock. Um, a little bit of everything, really. And then, uh, you know, when, when we, in our formative years, we were it was like the heart of the emo movement. So we were, Ian and I were very into like, you know, Taking Back Sunday and Thrice and My Chemical Romance and Kobe and Cambria and uh, bands like that, which I think definitely helped like form our sound. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I Taking Back Sunday was one of those as well for me that really in, influenced my musical taste. I had really shitty music taste, and then I like started making some new friends, and they got me into you know I went and saw Taking Back Sunday in the used at this little club in uh, at Slims. Oh, the used, yeah. I, I saw Taking Back Sunday. Well, I, I forget you're from San Francisco. I saw him at Slims Taking Back Sunday in uh, oh in, hell yeah in the used at Slims in like 2002 or something. And wow, that must have been a crazy show. Oh, it was, and that that small of a room yeah yeah it was it, it was awesome and yeah we in, yeah we had an interview set up with take back sunday at that show and uh and yeah i mean it was re- i mean really cool because uh, take back sunday in the used tour like i don't know a couple years ago also so it was kind of just nostalgic to see him again at the warfield uh you know having that memory of a show that was really influential to my musical taste you know yeah yeah hell yeah yeah so, um, so tell me, I mean, as you're uh, growing up, did you, did you grow up in San Francisco also? Uh, we, we claim San Francisco, even though none of us are actually from there. It's just like, we're all from the surrounding Bay area. Yeah. It's not um, really a place that you, that many kids grow up in, right? It's hard to kind of grow up in San Francisco. I'm in Napa. Yeah, I'm so, in Napa myself, by the way, just saying. So, yeah. Well, so where are you from? Where did you grow up? Uh, mostly in Napa. Uh, actually I, I got out oh, for, Napa, cool. Yeah, like 10 years. I went to San Francisco State and everything, and um, but then ended up back here for kids. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. Napa's beautiful. I love Napa. But, uh, yeah, so Ian and I grew up in Fremont. Mm, okay. Um, but we don't, nobody knows where the hell Fremont is for the most part. I mean, yeah. We all say San Francisco. Chris grew up in Castro Valley, mm-hmm. and Blake actually grew up in Wyoming and moved out here. Uh, with with the intention of like finding a band to to play to pursue like an actual career with, so oh, he got what he wanted. Sounds like that worked out for him, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you taught yourself to play the guitar? Yeah, I took I took like a couple of lessons, and the, what the guy the only thing the guy did was just like we would listen to a song that I would want to learn, and he'd kind of like show me what the what the, what they were doing. But after like two or three of those lessons, I was like. I realized that I had a really good ear at a young age. Like I was able to to pick things up and kind of learn by ear really well. So once I realized like I was learning it by ear faster than he was teaching it, yeah. Like I was learning it by ear faster than he was learning it by ear to teach me. That's when I just quit. Started. I mean, that's pretty much how I learned how to play guitar. I was just learning things by ear and seeing what what different my favorite bands did yeah and did did ian have that same sort of method because i mean you guys grew up in i mean we're kind of on that path together right yeah i mean he took he took lessons for a a little while so i mean he actually had a good teacher so his teacher would actually you know teach him scales and teach him some theory but again one thing that he really appreciates that his teacher did was kind of the same his teacher burned him a stack of like 40 cds and was like yo listen to all this figure out what you like figure out what you want to learn, you know, like what you want me to teach you, yeah. what styles you like. So that was cool just because that introduced us to so much music and we got to kind of like shape, you know, what we really wanted to do through some of the lessons that his teacher taught him and, and us just kind of learning songs by ear together. 
So your first album uh, was We Speak. Uh, tell me a little bit about the process for that and kind of as you went in, how did you prepare for it and uh, and how did what did you learn from creating that album? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a loaded question. So that whole thing was we, we got signed to a record label called Talking House Records. This was back when it was just Ian and I. Um, and we kind of, like, Blake and Chris had just joined the band, and they, I think, technically they just signed, like, my name, but it was, like, under a partnership agreement with the four of us because that's how the band was functioning at the time. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of those songs Ian and I had written in high school. So we, it was basically, like, Chris and Blake were just learning songs and recording songs that Ian and I had already written and been playing for a long time. Um, but then that label, like, the funding got pulled out from under the label, and they kind of collapsed, like, as we were trying to put that record out. So that was a, that was a whole ordeal. But we spent, like, way too long of a time. We spent, like, seven or eight months tracking that record. Um, and it was cool because we had to experiment a lot. We had to learn a lot about the studio, but it was also like frustrating how slow the process went because it wasn't really on us. The process was so slow. Um, but long story short, we got those recordings. We actually own the rights to those recordings. So we're trying to plan the best way to re-release them at some point because we, we released it. We played one, one show. We played like a, like a CD release show at Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. Yeah. And then, and then, literally, the the label like folded. So we oh, yeah. we just we played one show, we sold it for one show, and then we just it sat on our shelves. And that's the worst, right? Because you've been working on this thing for so long, and it's like it's you know at that time owned by so someone else. There's not much you can do with it. You're like, okay, well, I guess this is a learning experience, right? Dude, that was I mean that was our whole career for like our formative years. Like Ian and I had the full band. It was called Breakpoint. We, uh, we dropped out of college. I went to college for about a year and a half. We dropped out of college to pursue it. And then when I dropped out of college, when Ian and I dropped out of college to pursue it, the rest of the band didn't. So we became an acoustic duo. We got assigned to a label called uh, FM Recorders out of Berkeley. Yeah. And then spent literally the same fucking story. Spent eight months tracking an acoustic record, uh, just like slipping in, because we were like the smaller act in the, on the label. So we were like just slipping in whenever we could um, to record it. Get it all recorded. Spent like twenty five hundred dollars on lawyer fees to get like the record contract sorted, and then they got bought out by a team of thirteen investors and decided they 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 didn't want to like like build any bands from scratch like they were doing for us. So we got drops, but they didn't give us those recordings. Oh Jesus! So we dude, that was before all that talking house shit. So it was like we learned pretty young. Like if you're gonna be in this industry, you're gonna have to weather some some harsh luck for sure. Um. But it all kind of worked out in the end because what we did was we took those those uh, talking house recordings, we cut it down into an EP, and we did like a it was kind of a genius idea, honestly. We did like a track hunt, so we had like all our different social medias, and we we gave away we gave away the EP for free, but you had to like sort out and like sign up for our mailing list and sign up for a peer volume and sign up for our you know our MySpace at the time, yeah. and like we basically had people like have to be involved in our band in order to get the EP for free. And that's kind of how we built a little bit of a fan base for ourselves. And it was through that, that we started touring and getting tours because we were building like something on our own. And then Eric Ron, so I, I realize I'm rambling, but this no, is kind of like the whole story. You're good. Uh, Eric, Eric Ron, uh, producer saw us playing at the Roxy. And our goal was to just use these five tracks to get signed and then release. We speak as a full length to be like, Hey, 
we have a full-length album. You don't even have to pay for anything. Just put it out for us. So that was our game plan. And then by the time we started getting kind of like more recognition and, you know, a little more attention, we got the attention of Eric Ron, a producer, and he was like, yo, I like your... I like your style. I think you guys are really talented, but your record doesn't, like, your recordings don't sound, like, produced. They sound, like, well-engineered, but there's nothing. I can tell there wasn't, like, a producer's ear on it. And we're like, well, look, dude, we're not trying to spend any money recording right now. And he's like, no, I'll do it on spec. We'll do it for free, and we'll shop it. I was like, oh, shit, okay. That's so a good tracked, price, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're like, well, like, we were planning on recording right now, but sure. And at this point, the four of us have been playing together for a while, and the music that we were writing was, like, pretty different than the music that that Ian and I were writing for We Speak. So a lot of it was written in, in high school, and a lot of it was like a little more singer-songwriter, pop-punk. And uh, Blake and Chris were into some heavier shit. So when they started writing with us, we started writing songs like Cutting Room Floor and Escalators and stuff that's on Karma Never Sleeps. So we were shopping that stuff out just to find a booking agent, and it made its way to the in-house booking agent at, at EVR. And he kind of brought it up to the top brass of EVR, and we randomly just got an email from... Dan Sanshaw at EVR, and he was just like, hey, I'm coming out to see your show at Chain Reaction in a few weeks. We're like, oh, shit, okay. And then, yeah, he came and saw us play, and two weeks later, we had a record contract. And I was like, we didn't, we didn't shop around. We didn't really do anything. We kind of debated whether to sign it, because it was like, dude, we haven't even haven't shopped any, anything out yet. But it was also like, that was the dream label for me. Like, that was the label that started Coheed and Camry, which is my favorite band, started Circus Revive, Pierce the Veil was on them. We were a huge Pierce the Veil fan. Like, you know what? Fuck it. This is, this is like the label that we were going to shoot for as like our top one or two anyway. Yeah. And they're offering us a contract right now when we like don't even have a booking agent. So let's, let's do it. Yeah. Like finally something's working, working in our direction, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just, we, we, did, we might as well like not, not scoff the gift horse, gift horse in the face or whatever the hell that saying is. We're like, let's just, let's just take what we got right now and like finally try to get this thing rolling. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so when, uh, when it came time to, uh, make, uh, where the, uh, where the mind wants to go, where you let it go. I mean, I imagine by that point, you know, uh, you guys had had, had some experience recording, you, you know, it, yeah, you were able to kind of take a new approach and have a lot of the, I imagine a lot of the stress was off you at that point from uh, making that full length or how did that look for you? I mean, that's, that's our third full length and we've had like four, I want to say four EPs besides that too. So like at this point, you know, before where the mind wants to go, we've, we've been abandoned for eight, eight or nine years at that point. It's going to be 11 years in October. Um, so yeah, we were very used to like the process. We were getting more used to each other and how the four of us write and how the four of us have adapted our writing over the last decade. Um, but I feel like every single album, there's a bigger pressure than the one before. I honestly feel that way. Like every album that we've done has sold more and done better than the one before. I feel like with that, there's always, and even without that, there's, there's always this pressure that at least we feel it's like, not necessarily that you have to beat your last effort, but you got to put in more effort. <laughs> like, I feel like there's, we never, we never want to like look back on the process and be like, you know, we could have worked harder. So we, we, we beat ourselves up every, every recording process. It's like, we're, we're about to begin a writing process for the next record after, mm. after I do the solo tour, which is right at like at least four in a few days. And then uh, we do Australia. We come back and we're, we got like two and a half months to write a record. 
Yeah. So it's like you never you never don't feel that pressure. You know what I mean? It's like that that pressure. The second the second you realize that you're going into writing mode, there's like this. Okay, we got to buckle down. We got to work our asses off. We got to write 30 songs that we love so that we can whittle it down into like 12 that we really really love. And you just go to work. Yeah. So when when you made the EP that you put out this year uh, in LA, your unplugged EP, like I mean, was that pretty? Uh, I mean, was that pretty easy? Was that something you planned, or you you're like, okay, we got this this show, we we recorded it, and it uh, you know it sounds really good. Let's let's uh, put it out. It was kind of our management actually was just kind of like, hey, we should do something for your fans. We got new management recently, and they've been killing it. But nice. they they were just like, "Hey, we should we should do something for your fans. Let's, like we can rent out the YouTube space, and let's just do you know let's do like a little close knit community thing. We can film it. We'll have Robin, who just did our our last two music videos. He, he's like our buddy. Like have Robin come out and film it. And we're like, okay, cool, yeah, that sounds good. And then of course I get sick before it because literally anytime we have to do anything, I get sick before our, our most important shit. Oh, no. Um, so, so it's hard for me to listen to those recordings a little bit because I can tell that I'm sick and I don't, I couldn't, I just didn't sing them nearly as well as I wanted to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a cool vibe and it was just a cool thing that we did. And then once we got the recordings back with the exception of me, <laughs> for the most part, people were pretty stoked on them. And then our management was like, Hey, like, you know, the only mid-cycle single we did was Cave In. We should use this as a mid-cycle single and put out this acoustic EP. So we put it out. People seem to really like it. I'm glad we did it for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I really dig it, and uh, and to be uh, to be honest, you know, I didn't, um, I hadn't really listened to you guys beforehand, but uh, of all the bands at Warped, you know, this this weekend, I mean, that that I'm experiencing as I'm talking to a lot of bands right now, like you guys are, are the one that I'm you know most interested in seeing. Like I, uh, you know, I'm, I really dig your stuff. I like that you're local also, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely getting into your stuff. So um, it, it awesome, man. Yeah, thank you for sure. Um, and so let's talk about Warp Tour um, just a, a little bit as well. Your your first time warp, doing Warp Tour was 2014. Yeah. So so tell me about that experience. Tell me about kind of uh, working with Kevin. How you, how that uh, that uh, that opportunity came about. Um, I think that was for the most part. It was something we've. Uh, I'm sorry. If, um, walk here and coffee. It's like the windiest place ever. Uh, it was mostly, I mean, something we wanted to do for a while. So I think it was just like when, when the time came to submit our management and EVR were both like, yeah, like you guys are, you guys are well due for this by now. So, um, so yeah, we got the offer and we went out, we did it in a van and trailer, which I do not recommend anybody ever do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was grueling, but in a way it was actually kind of cool because it, it forced us to network's kind of the wrong word. Cause it, it like implies, you know, just like, it's like a business tactic, but just it, it kind of helped us get out of our shell a little bit and talk to a bunch of different bands and make friends with them and hang out on their bus, which was air conditioned. Um, so yeah, it ended up being like a really, really great experience. And, you know, I kind of wish we had done it more than once. We, we didn't submit a couple of years cause we had other tours already lined up, but you know, now that it's kind of done and even though it is grueling, there's like such a, camaraderie and like a and like a summer camp vibe to it that you know it would have been cool to do like one or two more times i think yeah and did you uh, like to have some more warp memories did you go to warp tour a lot growing up yeah i mean i didn't go every year but there was like the, the i picked the years that 
there was a bunch of bands on it that I really wanted to see. Yeah, so you, you went out when it was Pier 30, 32? Uh, uh, yeah, hell yeah, with Thrice and the matches. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, I remember those ones going out on the pier, and, you know, I mean, that there's nothing like that, like baking out in <laughs> on the San Francisco Pier and seeing all these great bands playing out there. Uh, I haven't been to Warp Tour in I mean, probably a decade, but, um, you know, I'm going tomorrow and, and kind of excited to help, you know, wind it out a little bit, you know, it was, for me, it was a part of my twenties and, you know, really yeah. learning a lot of different music and that sort of thing. Right. It's nostalgic as hell for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's pretty cool. So what do you, what do you have planned for, uh, for Shoreline tomorrow? Uh, I don't know. We're going to, we're just going to play a bunch of our bangers really. Like we, even though, you know, we have a new record. It's not really new anymore. It's a couple years old, um, and we've toured a bunch on it. So I don't think we feel the pressure to play like a bunch of stuff from the new record. So we're just gonna play a good mix of like our entire discography and stuff that we played on Warped in 2014, and some of the more high energy jams. And I don't know, man. It's just gonna be a good time. We got we're trying to cram seven songs in 30 minutes, so I don't really know how much time I'm gonna have to to talk or bullshit on stage. We're gonna play a lot of music, but. But uh, I'm excited for it. It's gonna be a good time. I, I miss Warp Tour. Yeah, and um, and so um, what were some of the uh, venues that you like um, like going to concerts at here in the Bay Area? Um, I mean, I've always loved Fox Theater in Oakland. Right. We've we've yet to play there, but I've always loved that venue. Um, when we played, why am I blanking on it right now? Uh, Wow, I am like legitimately completely blanking on the name of this venue. It's a really big venue in San Francisco that we played with Coheed the second time we went through there. Like the Warfield uh, or? No, bigger than the Warfield. Bigger than, oh, uh, Bill Graham? Bigger than, or not bigger than Bill Graham. What's, what's another one that's similar to that? Uh, it's like really fancy and beautiful. <laughs> uh, I mean, if the Fillmore's. I'm legitimately blanking on this. It's not the Fillmore. No, no. We've played the Fillmore. We've played the Warfield. We've played. Uh, Regency. Regency. That's what. I, that's, that was the other one. Yeah, but but it's bigger than Bill Graham, and and somehow I'm blanking on it. So. I don't know if it's bigger than Bill Graham, but it's it's like a 3,500 cap. I want to say. I just saw. I saw um, Third Eye Blind there. Third Eye Blind Dashboard Confessional. Right. Where where were they playing? Now now it's like we're just getting in this you know really weird spot. We're like, okay, what is that venue? I mean, this is gonna drive me absolutely nuts right now. Uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, oh, they, man. they just, I think they just played at Bill Graham. Um, oh no, this was like a year and a uh, half ago, two years ago. Look up, look up, uh, if you're on your computer, look uh, up, uh, third eye blind dashboard confessional okay. back to her and see where it hit in San Francisco. Okay. Let's see what we got. Uh, oh, the Masonic. Masonic. Yeah. Yes. God, that one. Well, that's exci- that's exciting, riveting uh, podcasting right there. By the way, <laughs> yeah, the Masonic is is definitely that's the spot. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a really cool place. Very cool. Yeah, the the Fox too. I mean, you mentioned like their backstage is unlike any other that I've been to in in the Bay Area. I mean, it's it's incredible. They have like cloth napkins and showers and but you know, yeah, it's long, gorgeous. The long hallways with you know the t- the tour posters on it, you know, it's uh uh I mean, yeah, that is a really great venue to 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 be at and see a show as well. So um yeah. And, and so um as we wind down, you mentioned you have an uh, Australia tour coming up, right? Um Yeah. So have you toured Australia before? 
No, no, this is our first time. We've had a couple, couple like almost opportunities, but then had like a better opportunity in the states or in the UK or something. You know, some some opportunity where we weren't going to lose a lot of money because usually the first time you get Australia, you're going to lose some money. Um, so yeah, we've been trying to get over there for a while, which for you know one reason or the next haven't been. So we're all we're all pretty excited. It's only six shows. So we're gonna go over there for six shows. I think we have like six days off and six shows. So it's like part tour, part vacay. It's gonna yeah. be a really good time. We're excited for it. What are you looking forward to? Do you have, do you have stuff planned already for uh, for the days off? You, I imagine you don't always get days off when you're on tour, right? So, I mean, I I haven't I don't think we have, I haven't had time to plan anything. We did we did the Polyphia run and then we had like two weeks home and then we just did the six weeks with Anne Berlin and then we straight shot it over had a headline show in OKC and then straight shot it back to Warp Tour. And then I, I start practiced for, I'm doing a solo tour with Tillian from Dance Gavin Dance that we start rehearsals for tomorrow. So it's like a few days of rehearsals and then we're literally gone for that. Ian, our guitarist is coming out on that too, to play for me and for Tillian. And then get home from that home for one day, go to Burning Man for a week, get home from that home for five days in Australia. So there hasn't been too much like planning three months ahead. It's more like staying on top of the shit that's coming up in a week. But yeah, you you don't slow down. You have you have a lot going on. <laughs> it's a it's a busy summer for sure. It's a busy spring summer. Yeah. So your new singles cave in. Um, the video for that is really unique and cool. Also, uh, tell me how that came about and um, and how you kind of made the vision from the uh, from the song. So. I think the, the starting vision, I was talking to um, our producer, Robin, about it. I called him, and we were trying to, like, brainstorm stuff. And I had this vision of, uh, it's like the very last shot in the video where there's, like, the goop coming down from my forehead, and I kind of pass out, like, out of the camera frame. For some reason, I had that, like, just that image. That was, like, that was the starting point. And we're like, okay, let's work back. Like, what, what can we do that's, like, simple? We knew we wanted to do, like, something simple that, like, in a white room with like maybe colors so that it just like was really bright and easy to do. We could just like rent a room and paint everything white and just like build our own set. Um, so a lot of our best videos have been when we just like built our own set. So it kind of started from that and just worked backwards. And that song is about, you know, addiction and um, addiction with my, my father growing up. It's definitely like one of the more personal songs that I've ever written, but he's, he's his family has struggled with addiction too. So we kind of got to riff on that and, find something that would work and the goop essentially in that video is supposed to represent like everyone's kind of individual inner demons so it's like we're all kind of catatonic and then we cough some of that goop up and then we're able to you know we kind of snap out of it for a second we're able to perform and then it comes back it's like that thing that it's always kind of nodding at you and always coming back but you have to try to you have to try to get it out and try to get it off your chest in order to to normalize that's yeah. kind of like the concept of the video and so I, um, I get the sense that a lot of your music that you write is pretty personal, uh, right? I mean, your uh, uh, your your other album you you said was a break, like it's like a breakup album. I, I read, right? So you, you you put a lot of yourself into your music, right? Yeah, I think I don't know if it's like subconscious problem or whatever, but I feel like every every serious relationship I'm in ends just before we start the writing process. So I I have I have definitely written a, a fair share of like heartbreak songs. Um, on each record, but but uh, I think in the really early years there was a lot of like hiding behind being super personal through a song, and like I do a lot of storytelling. I still do a lot of storytelling with my lyrics, but I mean back in the, like We Speak era, it was like almost all storytelling, and then I kind of 
kind of learned, you know, it's okay to, to be a little more personal or to, to share on a track, which was kind of cave, cave in was like the, the epitome of that for me. It was like, I didn't know how open I wanted to be about it. And, you know, I was talking to, to the, the label and management about it when we were putting it out and they all were very encouraging. They're like, look, I think the more real you are with this and the more open you are about what the actual song is about, I think the more people you're going to connect with. And this is a subject matter that a lot of people can connect with. So I got kind of like a nice gentle push into being very open about what the lyrics were about. And that's been the craziest like reaction to a song that we've ever had, especially what, with people like knowing what the lyrics are about and talking to me about it after shows. And that's definitely like the, the most heavy um, interaction I've had with our fan base. So it's a little more encouraging to not have to hide behind a story and be able to be a little more open about what I'm writing about. Yeah, it probably. I mean, I'm, I imagine it helps you build kind of a more connection with your honest, uh, your, your audience, uh, a more human connection, right? Yeah, definitely. We, the, the tour, the Bolivia tour, we did uh, in the spring before we played Cave In. I kind of did a little, you know, minute intro to the song where I was just kind of explaining, like, I don't usually talk about what the songs are about, like on stage, but you know, the song is really personal and kind of talked about what the song was about and the amount of people that I met with after the show that would like bear their soul to me about, I mean, it sucks. So many people have like the exact same situation. Um, but in a way it was just, it was really interesting just to see how many people were like really deeply connected to that song, especially after they hear Lost your Brent, you there? I'm just saying, like the 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 amount of like interaction with that song, especially in a live setting when you talk about it, and then they get to listen to it live and and like hear the emotion like live during the the live performance. I feel like it just builds such a strong connection with people. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I think it also probably shows you that you're not alone, right? Like in, in these feelings and these experiences that, that you're going through and, you know, and I mean, you're in this unique spot to the, where, you know, you have an audience where there's people that are, that can kind of support you in that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've learned that too, through like a lot of political songs we've had, we've been a relatively openly political band for a majority of our career. Um, and it's funny, just like the backlash that you get and the support that you get and just people, people really do pay attention and, and dissect. And I think that's really cool. I think that's something that I really appreciate about our, our fan base in particular is that, you know, we've always been pretty open about like, we want people to dive in and really dissect what these lyrics are. These are not, they're not shallow. They're not one-sided. There's a lot of hidden messages in them. There's a lot of the songs that connect together on albums that you might not even realize until you put it together and you're like, Oh, these three songs are all connected on the record. And it's been cool to see our fan base kind of like learn that that's what we're doing with each record and, and have people kind of pick up on it and have people write about it and, you know, let people discover things sometimes on their own or sometimes through like the track by tracks that I do for each album. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, Brent, thank you for taking the time to, to chat today. Uh, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to your uh, set tomorrow at Warped and uh, um, a good way to uh, wind out the, the 25 years of Warped, right? Yeah, man, it's the, it's the very last Warped Tour show, you know, maybe ever, supposedly ever. Supposedly, so right? <laughs> we're just stoked to be a part of it. And thanks, yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Appreciate it. For sure. Um, would you mind doing a promo for the podcast real quick? 
Sure. You can just say, you know, uh, I'm Brent Walsh from I the Mighty, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline, something like that. Concert Pipeline? Yeah. Cool. Let me know when I'm good. You're good anytime. Hey, this is Brent Walsh from I the Mighty, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline. Perfect. Well, Brent, thanks again, and uh, have an awesome set tomorrow. I'll be out there uh, uh, checking you guys out, okay? Cool, dude. Hopefully I'll meet you. Yeah, sounds good. You have a good one, okay? All right, brother. Talk to you later.
That was The Dreamer by I the Mighty and from their performance at Warp Tour. Yeah. And Jens, like I said, really like their performance uh, and uh, and getting into their stuff. I like a lot of their acoustic stuff that they mm. do. Uh, I mean, it starts out really uh, kind of softer and builds up as you go along some, sometimes. And they have a new acoustic EP that they uh, put out. Uh, and, uh, and it's really great. Mm, so, that's fantastic. And the fact that they're from San Francisco and I didn't know about it is uh, a crime. That, you know what? It's like finding your gem. I'm like, whoa, you know, I'm from them around here and I didn't know about them. And, I, you know, I just discovered the next big hidden secret. Yes. And so, um, so that so that was a great conversation. We have one more interview for this episode because we're doubling up the action here. Are you serious? I we're am. doubling it up. We are. We're double, double. Yes, and so uh, no, that's like a single double. Double, double. That would be like that's, four. That's a quadruple. Yeah, I'd be like so a single double. I think is how it goes. A single double. Like a single cassette double. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna take the fieldwork beer away from you because <laughs> now you're just belligerent. So. <laughs> I digress slightly. Uh, yeah, we're gonna bring lighter burns on. Uh, this is Jeremy and Alfonso. I uh, had the chance to talk to Alfonso. They're from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Very uh, recent formation from 2017, and uh, uh, and so they. Uh, I mean, they they played Warp Tour and really put on a good set. They played on Sunday. Wait, they formed their formation was two years ago yes and they're already on warp tour they played warp tour actually um i think in 2017 their first year and so they got a real that's amazing dude how the fuck did they do that i know right well well they had uh, previously been in, uh, a band called the residents and kind of changed uh due to you know some issues with the name mm. um and uh and so they uh they got in touch uh, with kevin uh lehman Mm. Lyman? I thought you were going to say Kevin Klein. No, didn't, not him. No, because he's not a musician either. He's not. That's no. correct. He's okay. Good, good work. Uh, and Just like J.J. Abrams, who's also not a musician. Also not a musician. You'll have to go back to the last episode for that callback. For any sort of context. Callbacks usually need to reside within the you know, context of the... <laughs> Concert pipeline needs to be listened from the very beginning episode. It is... <laughs> It is a chronological thing. You have multiple hundreds of hours to catch up on yeah, right now. There's, so. no, there's not much truth <laughs> we'll, to that statement. We'll wait. You pause here. You <laughs> go back to episode one and then catch up and then you'll understand. <laughs> but you have to find the free space, uh, space on the digital disc. It's a space? This is a space. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, on, the, uh, on the cassette? Is that what you're on getting On the cassette. Yes, on the digital cassette. Your pun would have been great Eight if you had been able digital to cassette. deliver it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Was I working on a pun? I don't know. You were saying on the disc, like, like a disc is a spinny thingy. Why would I say that? I don't know what you're saying. I meant right to now. say cassette. We'll work on that. Yes. Uh, so lighter burns is coming up next. I think it's probably best if we just move right into lighter burns. I would love to move right into lighter burns without further incrim- incriminating myself. But the moment you said lighter burns, yes. you know, when you said earlier today, oh, we're going to, you know, cover lighter burns, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes. Lighter burns. I'm a visual guy. Like when somebody says something, I have to see it in my mind. So I'm, 
I'm visualizing. Tell me if I'm if I'm wrong. Chances right? are you are, but go ahead. chances are yeah, chances are I am. I'm I'm expecting your to say streak this episode has not already. been great. No, it hasn't. <laughs> lighter burn. So that's when you're trying to like light your cigarette or light your joint and you accidentally burn your finger. That's like that's a lighter burn. Okay, that sounds about accurate. That yes. sounds accurate, sure. right? I'm not off. No. That's what I had in my mind. Uh, your mind is processing. I mean, we we know what connects with you right now, Jens. <laughs> <laughs> lighter burns. <laughs> It's, make, black. it's making a lot of sense <laughs> why you didn't get cassette tape and videotape. I still swear it's called video cassette tape. I will find a sticker somewhere that says video cassette tape on it that they made in the 80s that you stick onto these video cassette tapes. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. I'll send you like a hundred blank ones in case you ever need them. In case you ever need that. You need to go back, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Lighter Burns is working on their full-length album, but uh, it's not out yet. But what is out is this episode of Concert Pipeline featuring lighter burns so we're going to start out with a a song from lighter burns this is a song called henderson here it is henderson
Hey, Alfonso, this is Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline. How you doing? Oh, hey, what's up? Hey, uh, you, you, is now a good time to chat for the interview we have? Uh, yeah, it's perfect. All right, awesome, awesome. I'm going to talk about lighter burns. Uh, so uh, tell me, first off, uh, a little bit about um, your... We'll start at the beginning. Uh, tell me about your uh, childhood and uh, kind of your musical taste uh, as you were growing up. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, I grew up in a family that was very like open to art. Um, they weren't necessarily artists. Both my parents and my dad just played flute in like the church choir. That's the one thing I grew up in a family that made me force me to thing in like a choir <laughs> it's, you know um and uh, it kind of I, I thank them for that because that's what made me kind of always pursue singing and uh music in general it's just that curiosity of always wanting to make music um and yeah that's that, and the other thing that got me into music was my second grade teacher that um eventually like she was really really mean she was a really mean teacher really strict but the one thing about her was every day after recess, she would let us cool off inside the building, laying down. Everyone would pass out, but I would stay up because she would play the piano. And um, watching her play the piano made me like just see like someone so rude and so strict and so stern could could create such beautiful sounds. And I wanted to do that myself. Yeah. Did you ever gravitate to the piano because of that at all, or did you just? Um, I want to say a little bit. She let me sit next to her on the on the bench as the year went on. Like she thought, she thought it was really interesting that I was, I was very very drawn towards it. So she, you know, she let me hit the keys. But uh, I, I don't think that was necessarily what got me behind the piano. I think what got me behind the piano was the fact that I think my parents just got me a keyboard later on in life, like when I was maybe like nine or ten. Or, I mean, like, 10 or 11, somewhere around there. And that's what got me playing the keys, which I didn't necessarily get grow fond of. I just would hit the keys and sing along. I never really wrote anything on the piano. Yeah, but that was your first instrument that you really uh, played with, that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say it would be the piano. And then um, my dad had an old guitar that belonged to my cousin. And that's what got me to do that. To, to uh, play the guitar. Yeah. And so um, so let's talk about Lighter Burns a, a little bit. Um, how did you meet up with Jeremy? Tell me a little bit about how the band formed. So the band used to be, we used to be in another band together called The Residents. Not The Residents, but the NTS, like the weird ones with the eyeball. Right. Residents. Um, and uh, we just basically played a couple shows here and there, but... Um, we had some, just like, we had like differences with everyone else in the band. So we ended up just like splitting off and Jeremy and I uh, ended up just maybe in another band called Lighter Burns. <laughs> and I had a couple of songs I had written that were kind of denied for the other band. So we kind of retweaked those to make two of the songs from the last EP. And then the other two were just originals that we wrote eventually. And so how would you say that the music changed as you progressed from The Residents to Lighter Burns? Uh, the residence was really, uh, really uh, simple to me. It was like an A B, you know, A B C B format. This was more like we really wanted to make every part fun, not only to play but to listen to. Because um, sometimes I feel like you get lost in your own world of just—it's just fun strumming to the guitar to the rhythm, and that's just what pop punk or punk or rock or alternative rock is. And I feel like if you get drowned in those thoughts, you end up making very generic sounding music. So. We kind of just uh, drew away from that and wanted to 
make really fun stuff where every section had a purpose and every verse was different than the other because of a specific reason and not just because of it was fun to play, but also because it matches the emotions of the lyrics or it matches um, the intensity that needs to, you know, needs to go with said lyrics or something like that. You know, it's just, it's, uh, those things really did matter to us. Yeah. And you both are from San Diego? Yeah, both of us are from San Diego, yes. And so tell me about kind of the music scene as you're gr- growing up there. What were you, what were you into and, and kind of... Um, I, I would say well, growing up, I didn't really go much to concerts because, like I said, my parents were very accepting of music and stuff, but the, but the thing is they didn't really know much about it. So um, I didn't really ever get, like, you know, some, I have some friends that were parents taking to their first concert to see, like, Grateful Dead or something that the parents used to listen to. Right. My parents aren't very music. My parents aren't musically inclined to anything. They just like, you know, like the classic things parents like, like the Beatles and some other stuff. So it wasn't very, like, influenced by them. But I, uh, it was mainly my friends that I revolved around. I had this girlfriend when I was a kid, uh, and she showed me ska. <laughs> and um, before that, I had this, uh, a, a crush on this girl in middle school that liked Green Day. And before that, I was only listening to, like, hip-hop and like, 50 Cent and <laughs> stuff like that. There's a big so difference there. Big, big swing. Yeah. So she showed me American Idiot, and I had a huge crush on her. So I, whatever she liked, I was like, I'm about it. And, but then I actually started listening to it and really liked the strumming, like the patterns, like the rhythm, the palm muting on the guitars, like the distortion. You don't hear that shit in like hip hop and stuff. Well, I mean, unless you do like hybrids, but you know, I was, I'm talking more generic stuff. I was a kid, very like unaware of like how me- like immense the ocean of music is. So I was just very generic. Um, so with Green Day, that kind of helped me get into that kind of music. And um, yeah, my influences come from that. So when I went to shows, it was all based upon my friends, like the, who, I, if I was dating someone, would they listen to us? Very easily influenced, and um, which is kind of a scary thought, but I'm very thankful they went in the path it did because I'm very, very, very um, involved with all the music I love. It all has a purpose because it all came at me for a reason. Yeah. Was it was Fall Out Boy your first concert? Uh, no, that was, uh, I think it's Jeremy's. Was that Jeremy's? Okay. Okay. I knew when you had yeah. follow up way early on there as well. So Yeah, my first concert, like, I guess the big concert, I think was Backstreet Boys. Mm, there you go. For a girl again? <laughs> uh, no, that one I was like little, I was like a kid. I think my cousin took me. He was obsessed with them. Yeah? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good one to talk about because it was like, yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, that was like probably the first time I was taking back by stroke production, like the production, like you don't think about that when you're a kid, you see all that production. You're like, it's insane. Okay. And so let's uh, first talk about your new single, uh, five, six, seven, eight. Tell me how that came about and, uh, uh, and the story behind that. Um, Okay. So five, six, seven, eight is a very, it's very uh, distinct and um, very important to me personally because it was about something that happened to me. Um, and so, uh, let's see. What's the, okay, so basically, I think I wrote that song in the beginning of 2018. I had just stopped uh, drinking. I, I became sober for a year because I was, I was drinking heavily the year before. And, um, so yeah, basically that's what, that's what kind of stopped me from, uh, I think I just had completely just 
pull out of the whole, like, I'm going to drink and, and all that. So then I moved to Santa Monica for a couple months, and I was going to write an acoustic album just for myself, just to kind of help, like, self-therapy. Yeah. And I wrote that song, originally acoustic, and it was just going to be, like, an acoustic, like, very, like, neutral milk hotel sounding, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, very, like, you know, indie with a guitar and a little tambourine on the stomps, you know, kind of like, I don't know, Mumford and Sons. Right. Uh, so I was originally written it, I wrote it like that, and uh, it was it was, it was was an experience. Uh, it was definitely like a fun song to write. It was about someone that, you know, I used to uh, be in a relationship with, and, uh, and not only that, not necessarily about them in specific, it's accepting the fact that, like, you know, it's the, I think the hardest pill to swallow that, you know, people move on, but it's not the fact that people move on. It's the, the biggest part is without you, you know? Yeah. So, and yeah. And, um, so that, I guess that's the main thing about that. And there's like a little bit of like a taste of like, you know, regret in the lyric. Yeah. And so it, but, but it's, it's like a healthy kind, you know, it's not like, like the one that keeps you up at night anymore. And and so you mentioned being sober for a year. I'm kind of curious about that a little bit. Like um, after that year, do you feel like you're able to, you know, go back and kind of get a, you know, a little bit more of a handle on it? Um, like- yeah. Yeah. So like this year, for example, uh, well, for one, it kind of helped out because now when I drink, I get like a little headache. And so now I kind of stopped. But yeah, that whole year was for the purpose of just like health. And now it's, it's relatively easy. Yeah, good, good. Um, and so, so let's talk about um, a couple of your EPs. Um, you have the Apologies from Lightburns EP, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do have that one. You laugh. That one is sure. Uh, that was pretty easy to explain. So that was like kind of like our desperation. So we had recorded a whole album with Sam Pira at Panda Studios. Um, if you're familiar with him. He's done, like, all of the Story So Far albums and all that. Okay, gotcha. And uh, so we had, we recorded a whole album with him, spent a good, pretty coin, and then um, the whole fallout with the lead singer of that band, The Residents, happened, so we had to then just get rid of the album. So we had nothing, and we had fans, like, waiting for something. So we quickly recorded this with Alex Estrada, who did, um, like, all, he does all the demos for, like, Touche More. He does, like, the demos for, like, Joyce Manor. But he does demos. That's his main thing. Yeah. But that's all we could afford at that point, you know? So we just quickly, like, released that. And um, that's what that album is. And if you hear it, it consists of two songs, or three songs that are on the, that we've released later on, like, more professionally recorded. Yeah, so it was kind of there to get something out, you know, kind of, Please the fans a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it was content. And one of the songs called Phases uh, from that album is actually um, recorded by Sam Pira. Nice. nice. But we, we never, we actually took that album down. We threw away all the physical copies we had. Cause we just, it was honestly just like a, a sign of desperation. We just needed to put something out. But uh, we took it, we took it off and uh, we redid two of, I guess, two of the songs and, uh, put those out on the last time you love me ep you can you can take it down but apparently it still exists in the world somewhere uh, in, at least in uh notoriety you know and, and in our conversation now yeah <laughs> and, and, yeah and i kept uh, i 
Uh, between you and me, Mashkin, off the record. But no, I kept a box of the CD somewhere. I'm sure I'm going to probably hand them out someday. Right, right. <laughs> randomly, randomly with merch orders or something. Yeah. So let's talk about the last time you loved me. I mean, uh, that I'm imagining that's a little bit more polished of an EP, and uh, you, uh, you were able to kind of take a different approach with that one? Yeah, that one was actually recorded by Christian Cummings of Signature Sound Studios. Um, and, uh, that one actually was our pride and joy for the longest time. I mean, still is, but that one is basically, like I said, two of the songs from Apologies went into that one. And then, uh, we wrote two new songs, um, that we then, you know, uh, used for that album. But the album is just, uh, finally just everyone coming together, sitting down and deciding we need to put something out. And uh, it worked out hand-in-hand hand with getting uh, chosen to play Warp Tour when we released that album. So it really helped propel that album on Spotify and on every, like, streaming yeah. thing. And so that's a, a great transition to Warp Tour. Um, you're playing Warp Tour this weekend, and you've done Warp Tour the last uh, two years. So... Uh, so tell me a little bit about your um, your relationship with Kevin and uh, and how getting signed up for Warp Tour uh, you know, at at the beginning uh, came about and what it's done for you guys I guess. Um, yeah, uh, we only did Warp Tour last year. The oh, year before okay. that, we we technically did do Warp Tour, and the year before that, we technically did also, but we volunteered as a baby band, and that kind of goes a uh, perfect way to transition to like talking about how we got on it in the first place. We volunteered on Warp Tour with. Sadaw Catering, and it, back in 2015, uh, in our own vehicle, on our own dime, we traveled across the country with the tour, and all they gave us was uh, two hours of uh, volunteer work with the catering company, and they would give us access passes to sell CDs in and outside the venue, which helped push our sales. Um, and uh, the first, I think the first year, we were able to sell like 5,500 copies of our CD. Nice. Uh, yeah, and uh, we just kept doing that, and Kevin kind of noticed that we were just always pushing. Then in 2017, I was asked to actually work for that catering company, so I was actually an employee of Warp Tour for 2017, while the rest of my band was in a band with another band called Farewell Winters, following the tour, selling CDs, doing the same thing, volunteering and all that. Um, and then in eight, and then 17, at the end of 17, because I had been working with production for Warped, or with catering, um, I was able to, you know, get to know Kevin. Kevin was able to get more familiar with us. And it was nice because uh, um, we just asked, I asked him, like, what, what is it going to take for you to even consider us, you know? And uh, it just kind of, it kind of like all worked out perfectly where one responded to the other email and then the next email. And before you know it, we were told that we were playing all of 18. Yeah. And so how was that experience for you? I mean, that's a big tour. It's long, it's extensive. And, uh, and I mean, I, I imagine you had so many amazing experiences on the tour. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm thankful for, uh, for being a volunteer for three years before that, or two years and then working because, uh, the whole, you know, the scare of like being on tour, that warp tour is like going to drain you. wasn't scary to us anymore. It was almost to the point where this year for the first time, I'm freaking out being in my hometown for the summer. Cause I'm not used to being in the same climate for the whole summer, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it was easy for us when it was our turn to play. We were used to it. We knew what to expect. We knew what the shower situations were. We knew how dirty you can get, how smelly you can get. We knew all that. It wasn't overwhelming at all. 
Um, it was a lot of fun, and especially because of us being huge fans of the tour and followers of the tour growing up, it was uh, it was very unreal the whole time down to the last day in Florida. Yeah, who are some of the bands that you made friends with on the tour? Um, uh, honestly, unfortunately, we were so slammed because we were the barbecue band as well, always barbecuing. We kind of uh, were so busy, we didn't get to talk or talk to any of the bands, but we got to definitely like get to know some of the bands. Like We the King, We the Kings were pretty cool with us, and like Neck Deep was really nice to us that whole or the year before that. It, it's just honestly, you, you're bound to talk to everyone, so everyone's kind of your friend. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so with Warp Tour closing out, you know, in its 25th year now. Um, we have the, sh- the shows in Mountain View this weekend. Um, how does you know? How does this feel for you to kind of for this chapter to be closing? Um, honestly, I know the music industry won't die out just because one festival is dying out. So I'm not worried at all. I know people are getting really sad about it, but it doesn't bother me because I know. Um, and even Kevin said this in one of his interviews, like it's, it's, he's just passing on the torch to whoever's ready to take it. So I'm excited to see what else is up coming out. I don't really feel sad for this. I'm really stoked for, for Kevin to finally be like, I'm done with this. And, and I'm stoked for, see what someone else says. I'm going to do this, you know? Yeah. And, and right now you're, I mean, you're going up and down the coast. You're like, uh, heading up the coast and then you're uh, right back down to, uh, ending in San Diego, right? Yeah, exactly. Right now, we're actually uh, you're actually on speaker in the van with the other band, Netter, who's on tour with us. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, Netter. They're a really cool band from Seattle, N-E-D-D-E-R. And, um, yeah, that's, that's who are, they're our buddies that we met on tour. Again, Warp Tour is the reason for everything existing. <laughs> so, like, we met them on Warp Tour uh, doing the same deal, and um, now we're on tour together. Right now, we're actually at my parents house picking up a couple things that i had left here and we're about to take off to long beach at our show nice nice and so um as we wind out tell me a little bit about um i mean we're in mountain view tomorrow um you you played mountain view last year in warp tour and have you uh have you done shows in the bay area uh before that as well uh yeah we played a couple shows in the bay area i don't remember the exact venues though i wish i did that was with my other band um, Lighter Brands has only played one other tour, it was which was Warp Tour, and then now it's our second tour. We played shows here and there, like scattered, but this is our second tour. Yeah, and so were you able to lock in anything on you know on the Shoreline show that you did last year, or uh, do you do you remember anything specific about that? Um, Shoreline, Shoreline. Let's see, what's cool. Oh, well, I mean, I love that venue because of the whole Grateful Dead, you know, the history with the Grateful Dead there. I thought that's pretty neat. Um. But uh, honestly, let's see what happened that day. Oh yeah, we had a barbecue that day, and it was a lot of fun. But honestly, there wasn't anything crazy that happened in Mountain View. That was one of those days that honestly, it's crazier that the day went so smooth. I guess that's the craziest thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, uh, from what I can tell, I mean, you uh, are a really energetic band. You get a, you rely on a lot of crowd involvement as well, right? Uh, yeah, we, I, I like to do that, and uh, my band likes to also. It's just it's just fun. I mean, it's it, it really it's kind of like when you meet someone new and you, you, they tell you their name. It's good uh, practice to say it three times, and then you'll really memorize. It's the same thing. Like I feel with us, if you make them do something, like writing something else, like taking notes in school, makes you memorize it, even though if you're you're visually hearing it. 
or, uh, you know, seen it being written on the board, it's like same concept for me. It's like if it has someone in, uh, interact, I feel like we will stick a little more in there. Yeah, you know, in their mind, they'll remember us a little more because, like, oh, we got to sing along. That was kind of cool. Or, oh, we got to clap our hands. You know, simple things like that. It, it gives people an excuse to not have their arms crossed, standing in front of you. You know, and being sucked into their phones. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you It's not like I'm not like trying to pry at their attention. Honestly, I think they want it. They just never are given like a reason to. You know. Yeah. And uh, and so, uh, are you working on a full length currently? Uh, yeah, we are. It's uh, currently untitled and nothing. The only thing we know is five, six, seven, eight is going to be on it, and obviously. And uh, we're playing two new songs from that album this tour. Nice, nice. Well, Alfonso, thank you for uh, taking the time today, and um, we look forward to seeing you out in Mountain View this weekend. Okay. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate the interview. I like. I love these questions. If you have any more, feel free to call me, please. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I'll be out at the show t- uh, tomorrow, too, so um, probably see you out awesome. there, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, you have a good one. All right, you too. Bye. All right, bye. Okay, so that was the interview with Lighter Burns. Uh, and Are you crying, dude? I'm crying you look like you're fucking crying. How you said Henderson before we went into their song? It, it's like Mr. Anderson, <laughs> straight out of the Matrix here. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, how about I give you the finger and I give you my and you give me your my phone call or whatever he says? I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I didn't say Henderson, did I? I thought you weren't recording that. Yeah, it, I was, and it, it's on the podcast, and it exists, and it was great. Fuck. Really? Thank you for bringing that. Jens, we, we must move forward to our favorite segment on the podcast. What is it? We're already at the end of the podcast where we talk about music news. I thought we, we just started hitting record. I know. It feels like just yesterday that we started this podcast. Speaking of yesterday, have you seen the movie? Yesterday? Yeah. Is that the uh, Beatles? Kind of, yeah. It's about the guy who plays Beatles music and everyone's forgotten the Beatles or something. I have not seen that. Did you see that? No, but I've heard it's brilliant. Okay, I hear yeah. good things. I, this is a great conversation. I'm glad we can get to the bottom of how great that. It, is. Well, you know, it's a music news podcast. I mean, it's a it's a music podcast, and we're talking about music news. And I'm just telling people, you know what? If you like the Beatles, check out the show movie. I've heard it's good. It's a cassette movie. You got to check out that show movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> We've got music news or what? We do, we do, yes. Uh, so we've talked in past months about Ryan Adams and his uh, sexual misconduct allegations. What the hell? Ryan Adams of all people? Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know the guy, but I, you know, I liked his music. And I never thought that, I don't know. You never know. Yeah, I never thought his name would be associated with this kind of stuff. Well, it is. Uh, and so for the first time since he was accused, he broke his silence in a series of Instagram posts. Yens. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and he said, here's what he said. I have a lot to say. I am going to, because the truth matters. It's what matters most. He wrote in one post. 
Um, so he's saying the truth matters. Right. He said uh, most. And these are all really like four word sentences that he's saying, like with periods at the end. And so I'll, I'll say the next with, I know who I am. Full stop. What I am. Full stop. It's time people know. Full stop. Past time. Full stop. Wow. That uh, so that's what he said. Are all, uh, all these on the same line or different lines for every? I have no idea. That's all, but that's all like one post. And so, in to to go back in February, seven women, including his ex-wife Mandy Moore, uh, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, and Ava, then a fourteen-year-old girl, accused Adams of sexual misconduct and emotional abuse in a New York Times. Ex- I remember this. There we go. It's coming back. It's coming back. I remember. I only remember this because of Mandy Moore. Uh, and the and the only reason I know about her is because of that show, a TV show. And uh, this, yeah, this is familiar. Yeah, and uh, so um, so soon after the article was published, Adam said in a statement to anyone I have ever hurt, however unintentionally, I apologize deeply and unreservedly. And uh, and so he took a long break from social media as you do when you're in the me too movement, you have to take like a year off or something like, like it's a sabbatical mandatory sabbatical. Even if you didn't do set actions like Chris Hardwick, you know, his situation, he had to take like a year off of social media, which he was a super social. I mean, it's just what you do. You take a step back and you don't, you know, add fuel to the fire because people will hit on every fucking thing you say. Are these the trolls or the haters or whatever that do that? Yeah. Everybody out there is haters and they, you know, People side with the women, which, you know, understandably so. In a lot of cases, they're, you know, they're in the right and you got to feel for them you know, mm. because they're, you know, it, it affects them. Mm. But in some cases, I mean, it's not the case. Mm. And I believe this interview, you know, in podcaster believes in uh, that Chris Hardwick did not do the actions that were alleged of him mm. and and that he was not directly named for, but uh, but kind of personified towards um you know it was he was described that he had done it without actually naming him his ex-girlfriend had you know described this stuff but what didn't Mm. have the balls to name him Mm. you know and actually do it and she so she fucked up his life for a year you know when he was going to make this big music festival music comedy festival which didn't end up happening because he had to step Mm. back and you know and of course his show uh you know his show uh after the walking dead and everything so all of that got put on, you know, I mean, on pause, you know, yeah. he ultimately ended up getting it back and he's been back and, you know, doing his podcast and yeah, everything. Yeah, that's seriously damaging. But, but you can mess up a person's life yeah. when, by, t- you know, telling falsities like that. Mm-hmm. But, and there's so many people, you know, they, 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 they hear about the falsity and they're like, oh my God, are you serious? But, you know, they never um, are, they're not necessarily any of the, any of the wiser at, 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 at one point, you know? It's like they have that yeah. misinformation and about that person. That. And yeah. they go with that, right. You know, um, but there's a lot of proof with, in Chris Hardwick's case, towards the contrary, that it, it didn't actually happen. It happened mm. in a different way um, that was not what was alleged. So, um, you know, happy for him that he's back in podcasting again and everything because I really respect the guy. Uh, anyway, this is about Ryan Adams. Uh, he took a long break until uh, Friday night when he made nine Instagram posts, ranging from song snippets to in-studio photos to a White Snake album cover to the lengthy uh, statement to fans. That um, and let me see. I mean, this is a, a long statement. Um, I'm not going to. Re- 
I, I don't think I'll read the whole thing, but but I'll start it and see how far we get. Okay. Um, it's it's a couple of paragraphs, but he says he has a lot to say. He's going too soon. Uh, I included all that. Um, all the beauty in a life cannot be reduced to rubble for confusion, ignoring truths that destroy all the good in us. Uh, this madness and misunderstanding. There's enough of that in the world. My work was always meant to be a map for the lost. I've tried my best to uh, be open and accountable, not a billboard. I mean, maybe for being flawed. I've always wanted to help. I'm trying so soon because it's time to get back to what I do best. I'm here for the music, for the love of, uh, uh, and for making things better. Um, I didn't have an easy life. I lost my brother the day the prisoner tour ended, every night wondering if he would be alive. He was proud of me. My family and friends were there for that, uh, and so many great fans. For the uh, uh, Mariners uh, community who suffered every day, the music was for then. It mattered, and that was, uh, what, and that was uh, always for it to help. So let's do that. That will matter. Uh, yada 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 believe women believe truth but never give up on being part of the solutions and healing uh, I've lost friends who have passed away in this time of self-reflection and silence I can't be like that there there's too much uh, that mattered thank you for your kindness your support and for this time I needed to decide how I could be a part of, uh, of a better tomorrow for everybody uh, sometimes that peace comes from opening yourself up that's what I want to be here's to that with love and faith in all of us and our best and our faults, R.A. That's intense. Yeah. So so he really thought about what he wanted to say. It seems like he's trying to get back in front of mainstream. Mm. Trying, I mean, it doesn't seem like he's denying what happened, but he's trying to move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's come out of the uh, closet or darkness, I guess. Yeah, the hiatus is over. Not the closet. I didn't mean it that way. (laughs) It's like he locked himself in for his year or whatever, and now he's slowly starting to come back out. And how do you feel about that, Jens? Oh man, that's tough because you've got to. I mean, I've got to imagine that you're really nervous, um, and you're testing the waters just to see what the response is going to be. You know, and nobody likes to be criticized. But what happens if a year's gone by and it's just a bunch of you know hate and misinformation and stuff again? Yeah, that sucks. And does he get to choose when he, you know, when his the time is right for him to come back? If after all of this, well, if the social norm is like, you've got to be out for an, a year, that's like a prison yeah. sentence. Yeah, I know it is for a lot of people who live in this spotlight. You know, I yeah, mean, Louis C.K. Right, he's tried doing a couple uh, shows mm-hmm. and everything, and to mixed reviews. Some people are happy to see him, but mm-hmm. others are not ready for him to be. Yeah. Right. Back. Right. Know? Right. And so it's going to be a tough road forward mm-hmm. in kind of one of these situations. So. Definitely. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You got a story for us? I do. Hit it. Well, last time I spoke about Green Day, I'm going to talk a little bit about Blink 182. Ooh. Okay. What do you got? You ready for this? Hit me. Do you have a guess on how many albums they got? 14. They've got 14? No, I don't know. That was a guess. <laughs> I was going to say, if they've got 14, then uh, I need to like reach out to whoever wrote this. Cause <laughs> it's talking about their eighth album. Okay. Okay, their eighth album has a release date. Ooh, when, yes. is, that, when is that dropping? Yes. Well, um, let me tell you all about that. This is their eighth studio album. And uh, Mark Hoppus yes, who just shared the news. There's a chance we might have on the program in October. We'll see. Woohoo! Same. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah. 
October? Like, how do you know it's going to be in October? I, I mean, he's going to be playing in Sacramento, and I may be going to his oh, show. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a release date party. No. And you just happened to know that it was going to be in October. No. No, nothing like that. Okay. He's playing Aftershock Music Festival in Sacramento. Nice. All right. So, Mark shared the news um, yesterday morning. And then uh, when he and the rest of the guys visited ABC's Good Morning America, um, the band stopped by the popular breakfast show to play some songs. Ooh, okay. Yeah. They're on Good Morning America. They took the time to do that. Um, but what began as just another Blink performance turned into an album announcement. Okay. So they dropped it, man. On they, Good Morning America. What did they say? Good Morning America. Yeah, I've never watched that show. It's just too damn <laughs> fucking early. It's, it's too early, huh? I don't get up that early. No. I don't really wake up until about eight in the at night. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, opposite, I'm the opposite of you. Yes. I would Still with the insomnia, but. You're being like Yep, wake up Four o'clock, you're ready to go I know, I woke up at four this morning It's bad Stop making this music news about you Okay, carry on Mark Hoppus I'm carrying on Like a Carry oner I'm not carry oner, yes (laughs) We'll Google that next See what that is too All right, so September the 20th Not quite October But September the 20th Is the release date of the album from the lips of Mr. Hoppus, or he might have written that down, I don't know. But um, anyway, he revealed that news. Wow. That's, uh, that's exciting stuff. I'm excited to hear what, uh, what they release, and hopefully they drop a couple songs before the album comes out, as I imagine they might. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the album name is? I don't. What is the name? Okay. It's the, the name is Bajmir. Bajmir. Is this a Yen's pronunciation, or is this actually what it's called? Bajmir. B-O-J-M-I-R. How the hell do you pronounce that? I'm like trying to figure out what language that is. I have no idea. I want to be. I don't want to be. I want to be racially correct. Don't look it up. Do not look it up not, because that's going to ruin this thing. Put your phone down. I'm not. I'm not looking no. it up. Okay, dude. You want to know what it means? Hit me. It's okay. B-O-J-M-I-R. This is the name of the album. Okay. Spell it backwards. Uh. Wow. Okay. Ah, I got you. You got to think now, dude. Yeah. Uh, Let me spell it again. B-O-J-M-I-R. Yeah. What is that backwards? Yes, I'm not going to. It's rim job. Okay. Oh, thank you. Okay. Gotcha. That's funny. That's. I I like a band with a sense of humor. Yes, that's clever. Good Way to go, Mark. But I wonder if the entire album is going to be like a concept album. The whole thing has to do with rim jobs. Like twelve songs or whatever. <laughs> that's and a the lot. Theme of, is, that's a lot of going down south. That uh, yeah, you know, just like the wall and these other epic concept albums. It's gonna be rim job. Yeah, people are gonna be talking about it for the next fifty years. It will. Bajmir, it will be a term in. Uh, I thought that was like a Lord of the Rings thing. Like, was it Boromir spelled wrong? Bajmir. Bajmir. Yes. Okay. Well, I look forward to Bajmir. Apparently, uh, good times. Well. Um, oh, sorry. The J is silent. Uh, Hoppus continues to say that the <laughs> J is silent. Okay. He has confirmed that it is well, rim drop yeah. backwards. So it's not just me realizing he, he that. He confirmed that on Good Morning America? I don't know. I don't think he confirmed that on Good Morning America. I don't think it says that. I don't think. That's a different paragraph I don't entirely. Think middle-aged women are waking up to hearing, yeah, hey, everybody, it's rim job backwards. It's pretty cool, huh? Middle-aged women know all about the rim job. And I think, you know what? They don't mind talking about it. 
<laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So anyway. many discoveries on this episode. So many discoveries. Anyway, the point is the J is silent. <laughs> Glad we established Yes, that. the J is silent, so it's pronounced Bo-mir. Two gotcha. syllables, Bo-mir. Or Bomir. yes. Bomir. yeah, not Bajmir. No. Like Bosnia, Bajmir. Good to know. Schmier. Yeah. Well, Jens, we only have time for one more story, so I'll try and make it about a band that you want to hear about. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how's that sound? Bring it. Well, Foo Fighters are asking fans to share their memories of the band for a new project. Ooh, okay. Yeah. What do we got? Uh, so they've lost, launched a new online project by the name of Foo Fighter Stories, uh-huh. uh, asking fans to share and submit their treasured memories of the band. Uh, and they've dedicated a section of their website to the project, which is looking for fans to tell their stories. We don't know what they're using it for or anything, but uh, they say, we want to hear about you. Uh, did you capture a great photo of your crew at a Foo show? Have a memory tied to a Foo Fighters album or song? Or maybe just want to send a message to the band? Uh, we want to meet you. Share your Foo Fighters story and include any photos, videos, or memorabilia featuring you. And so they uh, tweeted out this, this story that this uh, guy had submitted and this guy made like a professional video we shot with from like three different angles and started with a record player with a Foo Fighters rec- record on it and he puts the needle on the record mm. and starts on the cassette yeah on the cassette <laughs> yes the cassette record <laughs> the video cassette record with yeah. audio uh-huh and uh and then he tells his story uh and it includes i mean great cutaways and everything of the relevant things he's talking about and how it can't see be summed up to one particular instance and how it's con- ongoing you know and everything and uh and then it ends with you know the same thing him taking the needle off the record mm-hmm. and i mean it's so well made mm. you know th- and this is just a fan in his room, you know, where you know half the wall has a couple of like uh, Foo Fighters like albums. Mm-hmm. On the, uh, those are the you know forty five inch right, mm, right uh, on like on the wall, and you know and and appropriate cuts. I mean, this is like professionally, it looks good, right? And they're like, okay. Yeah, we were just looking for some pictures, but, you know, but way to go, dude. This is awesome, you know, sort of thing, because he encompasses everything all in one video of him. That's sweet. Know, that looks Attention le- to detail. Looks legit. Yeah. And, and so hats off to, off to that guy. But you can upload your pictures, you know, or whatever you want to uh, to their site, and they're interested in seeing it for some reason. So, mm. um, so, uh, so pretty cool. That's way cool. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I like it when people get super detailed. Yeah. Um, and uh, and expand upon their knowledge of cassette tapes. Yes. And uh, which kind of player you insert them into. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Boombox or Otherwise. video player underneath your TV. <laughs> what a fun episode, Jens. Yeah. I forgot who we were talking about. Yeah. The Foo Fighters, right? We finished. Uh, did you finish your story? Uh, that's pretty much the end of so the story. So I do not get to talk about David Lee Roth or whatever my next story that's was. fine. It was just Sammy Hagar stirring some shit between him and... The more of that same stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more of the same stuff. All right. Saying he's, his is better than David Lee Roth. <laughs> that's that story. That's yeah. never going to end, dude. It's that not, feud is going to go on forever. Yeah, and he doesn't call it a feud, but it's, you know, he's stirring the pot, right? Whatever. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you to the Eye of the Mighty. Thank you to Lighter Burns for being on the program. Um, we're going to close it out with a song from Bad Religion. Um, and this song has kind of a personal connection. Um, this is uh, Los Angeles is Burning. And uh, it was really a song that uh, my friend Colleen and I uh, really uh, liked. And when we went down to uh, L.A., we listened to it a lot. And, uh, and it I mean, the whole album, The Empire Strikes First, like, is great. And I would have been floored if they played that album. But, of course, that's never going to happen. Yeah. If they play, played it in its entirety, it worked, right? But yeah, right. that would be so cool to see. Mm. But uh, in, in lieu of that, we're going to play Los Angeles is Burning by Bad Religion. Um, next time on the podcast, um, we have Sk- Skating Polly. And mm. uh, I believe Save Ferris will be on the on Oh, Save Ferris. Program. We've yeah. talked about them before. We have, yes. I think, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, that'll wind out the three part or the trilogy. The of, trilogy of uh, our uh, coverage. Our, our Warped Tour coverage. Warped Tour. So, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schiffel. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time. Oh, <laughs>